Welcome, everybody, to the Roots Podcast. I am your host, Sean Pitcher. Today's guest we have on is Tavis Piatoli. Um, he is a veteran in the sports nutrition field. This year is his 22nd year in sports nutrition. So he's going to be bringing us a wealth of different nuggets, knowledge, and information um, from the vast amount of experience that he's had so far over his career. Tavis, I want to welcome you to the podcast. Sean, it's always good to see you, my friend. And you met, mentioned nuggets. I used to eat a lot of those when I was a kid. So hopefully we're not going to be talking about chicken nuggets. <laughs> hey, I don't think what, it doesn't matter what age you are. I have chicken nuggets in my freezer and I like to have those once in a while. It's okay. <laughs> Absolutely. But I want to start out. I started this question out with every single podcast. Can you tell the audience what is your roots? Yeah. I mean, so I'm born and raised in New Orleans. Um, I still kind of live not too far from, I mean, I'm about 35 40 minutes from the city of New Orleans, 47 years old and been here, you know, most of my life. I have an incredible family, a 12 year old daughter, you know, uh, a wife and just love Louisiana. But we do have some plans probably to move to Florida at some point with, you know, once Grace gets to a point where she's, you know, 18, 20 going on her own and whatever that is, we, we would love to get to the beach. We're beach junkies. Uh, I'm a music junkie. And, you know, I'm, well, I know we'll talk about career path and dietitian, but yeah. Been a big fan of music for most of my life. Played, I was a night uh, singer in a '90s alternative cover band. Oh, and then you know I can move my computer, but I got a massive baseball card collection and um, that I don't really collect anymore. I was when I was a kid, and then about 80 signed baseballs right here to my left. So it's like I love sports, I love music, and just you know love being around the friends and family. Yeah, I can see the Who sign in the back of you right there. I was like, yeah. Oh, so man. it's like a couple of posters of Pearl Jam because I've seen them in Wrigley Field a few times. I've seen them about eighteen times, twenty times. It's wow. I was a concert junkie for a long time, and it's uh, still still go to some. You know, as you know, when you can, it's like concerts. The prices of concerts today are just insane compared to what they used to be. And we used to stand in line to like you know at the the record store or the the department store to wait for tickets. Now it's like an easy little click of the button. So. Taking my daughter to see Paramore. They're playing in New Orleans in July. And then my, my wife and I are going. She loves Pink. So we're going to go see Pink and Wrigley Field in August. Yeah. And some of those bands, you have to listen to them while you have the chance because, especially a lot of the classic rock bands in the 80s, from the, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s, like you don't know how much longer they're going to tour. Or sometimes they'll say, it is my last tour, but it's not their last tour. And they'll randomly just show up. It's always hard to tell. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, I know you've had a lot of experience at multiple different levels of athletics, but I know your main focus right now is the high school space. Kind of where did that passion come from to move from some of these professional settings, college settings, to now focus mostly on high school athletes? Yeah, I think that it's just a really fun market to work with. It's, you know, these are kids that are trying to figure things out, right? They're trying to develop, they're trying to grow, they're trying to get used to what their body is doing. And then and then, you know, with so many different angles being thrown at them, some of these kids are playing two and three sports. They're being asked to accomplish certain goals by parents and coaches. And they're just, they don't really know. They don't have all the tools and resources. And nutrition is, in my opinion, really the secret weapon or the missing link to that puzzle. When you look at performance, lifting, sleep, uh, private training, and, you know, they listen. You know, it's not that pro athletes don't and college athletes don't. That was a fun time. And, you know, it's, it was a key part of development. But it's a, to me, from an opportunity standpoint, uh, the market there is, is untapped and it's unlimited. So uh, that's one of the reasons. But it's also uh, a group of individuals and kids that just really love that they they absorb the information you give them. And some of them take that and they run with it. They have a lot of success because you can be a key contributor to helping them grow and develop. So it's it's just a fun market to work with. 
What do you think then becomes for, for dietitians that want to work in that space? What becomes the strategy to try to get more dietitians in there, right? Whether yeah. consulting or, I mean, I think ultimately if we can actually get dietitians in a building and stay in a building to be in that environment, that would be obviously the, the ultimate goal. But what are your thoughts there? Yeah, no, and, and that's that's what we're trying to discover with, you know, one of the businesses I have is my sports dietitian. Is we, My partner is an athletic trainer. You know, he spent 35 years in athletic training in the high school setting. So he he's lived it. He's pretty much became that or he was that nutrition resource for such a long time because 900 student athletes in his school and they go to him and say, Doc, what do I need to do to gain weight? What's the, what do you know about this supplement? He'd reach out to me and say, what do you know about this? So we feel like wow, there's a lot of problems and a lot of pain points in there that we can solve. But how do we do that, right? How do you create online tools and resources? For the, the, the RD that's wanting to get in that space, there's a couple of allies that you, know, you need to work with to get into that space because the athletic director, the budget for the school is pretty limited. You know, and every school is different. That's what we've learned is yeah. you have some schools, every, every team has their own budget. Obviously, football is probably going to be the one or whatever school has a very successful rate in that sport is going to be that that sport that's going to have the most money to spend on outside resources. But the school itself is probably not going to be able to employ that person unless they can do multiple things like teach, be a strength coach, um, you know, be a nutrition person. But really, do we see full-time sports dietitians that are not doing a lot of other things in the school? So the athletic trainers, number one, I think your biggest ally, they are your friend. They will help you because they, they are handling a lot of this right now. You do. You also have high school strength and conditioning specialists or certified strength and conditioning coaches that are now starting to incorporate more in high school settings. So those two individuals, you know, are ones that will trust what you can do. You just have to, number one, go into that setting with, with knowledge. If you've never worked in sports, don't try to go in that, that, that area right now and, and sell yourself because it's going to be a hard sell for you to do that. If you have 10, 15 years of experience or even five years of experience working in sports, especially at the collegiate and professional level, then, that holds a lot of weight. And that's just kind of like anything else. Experience holds weight, where you work holds weight. But if you said, hey, I'm a hospital dietitian and I want to work in sports, but I've never done it, don't don't go there just yet. Give it some time, get some mentorship and, and learn uh, what you need to do before you just, because that's where we struggled for so long in our field. Uh, 20 something years ago, we, we didn't really have hardly any people in college or professional sports because for years they employed hospital staff and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, they weren't trained for sports and neither were we. And mm. we self-taught ourselves. And now it's like, we have a massive conglomerate of, of, of sports dietitians that are in a lot of different places from college, professional and, and tactical. And now you're, I mean, I was even part of this where I was at nationwide children's hospital and now hospitals are actually opening sports medicine facilities. That's just specifically for sports. Like, like, like basically, like you said, you know, it's, it's even tough enough just to get an athletic trainer into some of these high schools, just to make sure you have someone there from a safety perspective to deal with injuries. But, you know, we had, I think, who knows where it is now, but maybe 30, 40 high schools with athletic trainers. And then I, I at that point, because as you know, I have that dual background strength conditioning. We then started rolling out the strength conditioning part. We had a dietitian on staff. Um, so I think from what I've seen too, even back at my hometown, they're doing kind of a similar model, but a lot of these hospitals are trying to attack that high school setting and provide those resources. Cause you can almost kind of bundle them all together and provide kind of one package. But I, I think still, even though if you do that and you're only around the athletes a couple hours a week, um, you know, you may help some, you may get some athletes that are one-offs and they may ask for kind of some individual consultation, but it's still going to be a challenge to make the behavior change that we need or want to, if you don't have someone there on a day in day out basis. 
Yeah, it, you're, you're exactly right. The hospital model, you know, they've done a great job from the athletic training side of things. And some of these hospitals, I used to work for a hospital, but I was in the fitness industry for, for 14 years where they owned our fitness centers. Hmm. And for years, we were like, we need we need a place like an athlete's performance at the time, which is now Exos. We need a sports performance facility because no one was doing a really good job of training kids. We had individual people, but they didn't have the best facilities. And they didn't understand that model, you know, until now that hospital system now has 70 athletic trainers. Wow. They cover so many schools. They have a massive performance reach now. They have, I think, five different performance facilities connected to the physical therapy component of that hospital, which makes a lot of sense. My daughter actually trains at one of those places which close to the house. So, yeah, that model is really good. But what, it's, what they still don't have is they don't have nutrition services, right? Yeah. They may contract someone. They may be someone who works for the fitness center. But... I don't see a need to have someone full-time in a high school, like just a, just an RD, because there's really kids are in class all day and then they go straight yeah. from class to practice. So there's not like college where kids have breaks and they have maybe two days off in classes on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, so they can spend time in the fueling station and make a smoothie education. Um, so the high school is a little different unless you teach a course. And that's why we're trying to capture this virtually um, through the parents, through the athletic trainer, through coaches, to let them know, hey, we can provide so many different services for your school, and we can do this all in a virtual model, just like we're doing here. We can do consultations, team mm -hmm. talks, et cetera, et cetera. It's just we're still trying to figure it out. It's 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 not easy. Could you go a little bit more in depth? So, how does essentially a my score citation then work, or how do you approach a school and provide the services? Or because I because my experience, obviously, I've interned with you in the past, and I know you guys have collected a or have a, a, a variety of dietitians that you guys utilize to kind of reach out to some of these high schools and see if they would like to utilize your services. Could you go into that a little more depth? Yeah. So right now we have a couple of people on our sales team that are that are actively reaching out to certain places in their area. And we have people coming to us, you know, through our, our, our symposium. So we've generated symposiums and there's kind of two components of my sports dietitian. One, it's a, it's an educational tool for athletic trainers, dietitians, and strength coaches, anyone in sports medicine with our online symposiums. We do four of those a year, two sports-based, two high school-based. Um, and then we have our division of where we provide services to club teams, performance centers, um, high school teams, et cetera. And, and that's a combination of one-on-one -on -one services as well as team talks, as well as a toolkit of resources that we've developed. But what we're building now, it's actually, it's a, we're in a beta right now with, with four dietitians. Ronnie has built, my business partner, Ronnie Harper, has built a mentorship program. And with all the tools and resources we've created from the online platform, the guides, the presentations, um, the app that we've created, the E2N app, we're going to give them all these tools and resources as part of this mentorship program to go out. And also we have a lead generation uh, system that we've uh, we've partnered with that's going to be launching soon that gives them access to all of these individuals, meaning you'll have this lead generation has access to every athletic trainer, every uh, athletic director in their region so they can all meet with them and present them with the services that we provide. So what we're trying to do moving forward is we're trying to equip the dietitian, the sports dietitian with all the tools and resources. If they're like, hey, how do I get into high school? Boom, if you join this mentorship program, we're going to train you. We're going to give you all the tools and resources. It's going to cost X amount of money. And then within 90 days, you should have a couple of accounts signed up for you based on this. And if, if not, then we got to go back to the drawing board. But we're beta testing that now with four dietitians. Um, over the next three months, and then we're going to track towards the end of the year when school starts again, how effective they were uh, in order to get accounts. So 
we're hoping in the next probably three to five years to have a couple of hundred RDs with a good business. Um, it's an aggressive model. Ronnie's got a plan and he has all this mapped out. We're meeting next week to kind of talk a little bit more about that. But we're hoping to kind of do what some of these organizations have done with college and professional RDs, grow that side where we're going to try to grow the high school side. We want to put more dietitians in, in front of parents and coaches and athletes. Which is super exciting because that's just an, like you said, it's an untapped area that I think if we can, if we can get that, I forgot who I was talking to about this the other day, but if you think about if we're able to target a lot of these high schools and get the strength, the athletic training, even if we get mental conditioning, nutrition, you know, at that 14 to 18 year old age range, and just think about the type of individuals we'd have then coming in as a freshman into college and how much more like that, like your freshman who would probably be at where they need to be as a senior is now probably there as a freshman. Right. What, so it's like, you can imagine like all these kids coming in at this hot, much more high level at 18, 19 years old coming in as a freshman and just the level of, of competition, the level of preparedness going in, I can see just being an absolute game changer for some programs. I mean, you hit the nail on the head because I love when a parent calls when their child's 14, right? 14 years old. Hey, my son or my daughter, they really are interested in nutrition and they want they need to accomplish X, Y, and Z. Awesome. Versus, the, the, you know, the, the child's 18 and they're like, they, they, they have a good chance of the college scholarship, but they need to gain 20 pounds in two months. I'm like, ah, we, I would have been great to meet you two years ago. I'm not saying we can't hit some of those targets, but we can't rush this. This is not something I can go, boom, here's all the tools and resources and here's your nutrition plan and let's gain 20 pounds in two months, right? It's like, if you have talent, I get all the, the reasons why parents invest in trainers and all these other things, but invest in nutrition first. That's what I tell every kid when I show them uh, my nutrition manual. It starts up with nutrition. Nutrition's up here. And then when, when this is when nutrition is solid, your strength and condition is going to be good. Your energy levels are going to be good. You're going to recover faster. You're going to build muscle. But if nutrition is not good, then all those other pieces are not, not going to really fall into place and you're not going to maximize your talent. So it's, I, I mean, I, I know we're biased, but it really is the catalyst. Like without it, it's just, the engine doesn't run. I mean, I do a visual all the time for athletes, recruits, parents, and I write down those three things, fueling, sleep, hydration. And like at 24 hours a day, I'll ask, I, I literally did this with a recruit the other day. I asked him, how many hours do you spend doing these three things out of 24 hours? You can now divide that number by 24 hours and like, okay, that's the percentage of your day spending these three things. Do you think these have an effect on you on the court? If you've spent 40, 50%, yes. Do you have to do them every day? Yes. So it then becomes... I mean, you could tell me I'm wrong, but I mean, the proof's in the pudding right there with that like simple example that I just gave you. So, and, you know, everyone wants to rush stuff nowadays, you know, it's just convenience fast. I want to push it as quick as possible. Like you said, let's do this in two months. And, you know, I always tell them like, it's like a slow cooker. You're going to give me time, especially if you have these athletes that are 14, 15, 16 years old, you know, and you're not going to go to college till 18, 19 years old, depending on your situation. Like we got a full, you know, three, four years, depending on when we get you in. Like we don't need to be, you know, if you're a linebacker and you're 100, you know, 80 pounds now, like you don't need to be 230 pounds in six months. You know, if we so, can put on five to 10 pounds of muscle, you know, a year or, or 10 to 15, depending on how aggressive we are, then like we're at a good clip. And as long as you're staying healthy and not sick and you're performing better on the field, we're progressing in the right direction. It's a perfect example, Mike. We're literally right before you and I hopped on this meeting. My daughter and I were talking and she's like, dad, I don't want to go to training today. It's like her, she's off of school now. She was out of school last Wednesday. She was with her mom and she called me and she's like, I don't want to go to training. I said 10 o'clock, which is in about 50 minutes. And 
And uh, I'm like, look, kiddo, you have a goal. You even wrote it on the on the, the refrigerator. I want to yeah. make a junior high volleyball team. And kept counting down the days for tryouts because she's she's a tall 12 year old at five foot seven. Mm-hmm. Really has some, some good skills, but she needs that. She needs training. Now. She doesn't need dad and mom and friends to help her with with volleyball. So um, I said, look, this is your goal. If you need a, if you want to do that, I know it's it's going to suck. You don't feel there's days where you don't feel like doing things because you're tired, but that's your goal. This, these are things that you have to fight through and get through in order to, to accomplish that. So it's it's great that you mentioned those three little pillars with sleep, hydration, and nutrition. Mm-hmm. So if, if we look at the, the high school setting, what are you seeing maybe as the top two, top three most common topics parents, athletes are bringing to you that are just always a continuous challenge or constantly coming up all the time? Yeah, the biggest thing is just a- adequate fueling. I mean, most of these kids are so underfueled. And it's, it's due to the schedule. I think the schedule and the training of what I used to do in high school, and I know you played college ball. Um, I played high school football, but we just, we, we just lifted at school and, you know, we did our conditioning and maybe did some practice and then we went home. There were no private coaches. There were none of that specialization back then. Now these kids are pulled in so many different directions. Summer's about to start for many places and some kids are going to be lifting for three hours in the morning with, with football. And then they have to go play three hours of baseball or some quarterbacks and receivers do their three hours of lifting conditioning for football. Then they have seven on seven for three or four hours and they're burning more calories. And that's what I think is the biggest struggle is the schedule for some of these kids. Their bodies are just so broken down because they're moving seven days a week. And I'm like, ah, I met with the kid yesterday, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, his son's 14. He's, you know, he's five foot three, one thirteen, small kid, but the wrestling coach wants him to get to 106, but he's also got to try to get a little bigger and stronger for baseball. And it's like, you know, you're being pulled yeah. in so many crazy directions. And, you know, the good news is his training is not too bad. But I think that's the biggest problem is kids are doing way too much. They're overtrained. Um, they're exhausted. And they just have no time to fuel. And it's why they are, they're not seeing their body develop and grow. So that's number one. And I think number two is um, – you know, from a planning perspective, a lot of these kids don't plan ahead. They don't really invest in nutrition. They're not putting nutrition as really an important piece of the puzzle until someone says, you got to gain weight, right? Or you got to do this. And then also supplements. I mean, that's a whole big area. A lot of these kids think they can solve their problem with some sort of pill or powder, which, yeah, we know there's some things that have good evidence to support, right? Protein, creatine, you know, vitamin D, omega-3. Those are things. But they're not going to just acutely all of a sudden go, wow, I'm going to take creatine and build muscle. Well, no, not if you're in a 2000 calorie deficit or even a 500 calorie deficit. You're not going to build muscle in a, in a deficit just because you took creatine. So and those are kind of the, the three main main things I see on a regular basis. And we see that a lot with, I mean, specifically right now in basketball, just AAU basketball. Like our guys get done with the whole entire season and it's like, all right, well, the whole entire summer and the, and the springtime, it's just we're going to keep playing basketball. It's probably the same thing with, with, you know, any travel team that we see amongst any of these different sports. But, you know, a lot of our advice from our team is just relax and take a break. Go play another sport. Go relax. Go do something that's going to, like, physically and mentally allow you to just disconnect from having to do your sport. And getting – especially working with our sports psychologists, getting them to understand, like, how to differentiate these two – and then how to disconnect and, and be able to pull away from it and know that you're not going to get worse just because you're taking a week off to have a break, or maybe you need to like microdose and do a little bit of basketball here and there. So that you still mentally feel like you're doing something, but not then do two, three, four hours of training. Um, it, it just becomes a tough balance. And then 
whether it's the parents, whether it's these AU coaches or just travel coaches in general, you know, trying to swoo you to like be on their team and, and say you need to be part of this. I think nowadays athletes just have so many, you know, conflicts and so many people pulling them in all these different directions. And, and that young of an age, is, I don't know how to say no. You know, it becomes yes, 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 okay. And then you say yes enough times. And now you're, like you said, you're in rough shape. You're injured. You're sick. You're not able to perform. And then once you are, then those people that want you before now don't want you because like, oh, okay, you can't play. And they move on to the next person. And mentally, that's just super tough to deal with at times. Yeah, no, it's, it really is. And I think people are starting to realize that is, um, you know, this is nutrition, something that we have to invest in, right? Just like anything else. It's like a bank account. You know, you get a, a budget every day and you got to try to hit that budget of calories. And, you know, for a 14 or 18 year old kid, they don't know how to figure that stuff out. Right. We have to have tools and they have to have support and multiple support. It can't just be mom and dad. I mean, they they're critical because they buy the food, they prep the food, they help them understand what to do. But you have to have, you know, people like ourselves, the athletic trainer, their coaches really be on board to kind of say, hey, did you bring your snack to practice today to have a post workout or did you, did you eat breakfast this morning? I mean, something sounds so elementary, but eating breakfast is a critical part for an athlete to grow and develop because if they miss that meal and their first meal is at lunch at school, they're so already way behind on calories and they're going to go to practice probably tired, fatigued, mentally fatigued from being in school all day. And then they're going to be physically fatigued when they get home. So yeah, it's, it's a revolving door. And, but I think because of the investment that they see now at the collegiate space, when they go visit these colleges and go, wow, look at the nutrition station at LSU or Alabama or Texas or wherever it is. These are the resources I have, or I can have if I work harder and start, then they start realizing why these schools are now invested in nutrition. So, um, you know, I'm appreciative of what the college professionals have done because they're, they're really the ones who set the stone. Even before pro, like college has invested more into nutrition before pro and then pro came after that for the most part. Yeah, it's just pro it's providing the athlete in every environment they're going to be in those options. is is then Especially with how crazy their schedule and the routine and like just back to back and going from this building to that place to that place. You know, the more areas, let's say, in college on a campus that you can have those things available where they can just pop by, grab it, drink it, whatever it may be, you're in a lot better situation. Whereas some of these high school athletes, like the parents are only going to be able to control so much after they leave the house. It's like once they leave the house, are they pre-planned ahead? Are they thinking ahead? Are you putting snacks in their bag? If you're not, well, what's at school? If something's not at school, but then they got to go to this trainer and then they got to go to this different practice field. It's like you could be in four or five different environments in one day. And, you know, a 14, 15, 16 year old isn't thinking about what do I have to do next? How do I feel next? How do I hydrate next? So, you know, if you don't have these environments with those options, especially high quality options, you can just see where <laughs> failure can, can arise very quickly. Yeah. And, and the biggest distractor is this guy right here, right? The phone. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's another thing these kids are like so consumed with. I mean, we're all consumed with it. I'm, there's times where I'm looking at Twitter or Facebook or just something, you know, want to get a score. So it's. When I was in college, I didn't have a phone, so I didn't have that distraction at all. Just I had whatever. We didn't even really have the Internet until like my third year of college. So everything was like still going to the library to find books. Yeah, I had my first cell phone. I think my mom bought me one when I was like the end of high school, like beginning college. And I can remember like it's just vivid in my mind. I'm walking, walking through the buildings in college and everybody has their phone and everyone's heads down like this. And I didn't, I, I'm like, I'm just walking head up and I'm looking around. I'm like, whoa, is this what's like the future is going to hold? Like everyone's head's going to be down. No one's going to talk to her. Everyone's looking at their phone. But obviously that's a whole nother 
yeah. <laughs> you can go yeah. down. Um, now I know obviously besides the high school space, you, you know, you're, you're currently working with Omega Quant. Um, I know you have liquid fuel, you know, you've had collaboration with the Taylor Hooten foundation. So you've had a very big presence, um, in the supplement area. Um, could you speak about, you know, a couple of those Omega Quant liquid fuel, you know, what are you doing there? And then maybe we can kind of transition and like, how does that all tie into your, your mission and education yeah. from the Taylor Hooten foundation? Yeah. Omega Quant, that's my full-time day-to-day. Um, you know, I, and what I love about the company, number one, is that they're an analytics uh, biomarker company. So a testing company that our founder, Dr. Bill Harris, invented the way to test your blood for Omega-3 in 2004. So him and Dr. Von Shackey, they met one time at a conference and then figured out, let's, let's discover a way to test Omega-3 because it's a critical marker. Um, you know, when you look at fish oil, people think you just go up to hundred people and say, well, you know what Omega-3 is? Oh yeah, fish oil, right? And I'd say probably most of those people don't realize we can test your blood for omega-3. So we're, we're a biomarker analytics company. We use some other finger stick tests like vitamin D. We have an A1C test. We have a, a prenatal DHA for pregnant moms that can test their, their blood to see if their DHA levels are high. And then we have a mother's milk. We can test the breast milk for DHA as well because that's great for brain development. We do a urinary B12 and we have a a high sensitivity CRP, a marker for inflammation that's coming out next month. So we work with healthcare providers, teams, uh, you know, sports and college teams, uh, supplement brands that that have omega-3 fish oil that call us and say, we'd like to, you know, private label your test kit. So I oversee all the sales You know, I work directly with our CEO and just, you know, sell products to a lot of these healthcare providers. And, you know, the test for omega-3, why that's important is because we know when your levels are deficient, which 95% of Americans have an omega-3 deficiency. That's almost everyone, which it's kind of explains why we have probably a lot of inflammation in this country, 900,000 open heart surgeries every single year. Um, but getting your levels to eight to 12% would mean 35 to 40% uh, risk reduction for coronary heart disease, sudden cardiac death, and primary cardiac arrest, as well as many other things. Brain health improves. We see the aging of the brain slows down. We use in, in our field that with, you know, with what you and I do, we use omega-3 fish oil as a way to treat and, and heal concussion after brain injury. So we also have a certified for sport fish oil as well that's third-party tested by Informed Sports. So that's a new product that we've launched that we started selling to college and professional teams that combines with our test kit so they can test. And then we can help them optimize that with supplementation. So I love the job. It's, it's, I've been there you know, about a year and a half now, and it's, it's been just a, a great, great transition. Yeah, and I would say there, the nice thing is instead of having to go to your doctor now, it's convenient. You have an at-home test kit. You could test yourself. You know, it's not extremely expensive. It's going to break the bank. And it gives you that quick feedback to allow you as the athlete, the practitioner, maybe it's just mom and dad sitting at home that want to know what their levels are to then, you know, actually have something to go off to take action off of it. And then obviously you guys having obviously the the omega-3 supplement along with that to then be able to couple that is super beneficial. But if you look yeah. at those- and I, I don't, I don't recommend people get a blood draw omega three only because those labs that test the blood is the, they do a blood draw. They test the plasma phospholipid. That's like a blood glucose. It looks at a 24 hour status. We're testing your whole blood, red blood cell, which is a, is a four month status of omega three. So it's like an A one C test. Yeah. You know, it's going to look at a long shelf life. Which is a lot more accurate. And it's going to be definitely a lot better, but you mentioned, obviously, you know, you look at omega three magnesium, vitamin D, you know, those are just three really tough nutrients for most Americans to consistently get, right? If you if you don't drink a lot of milk and you go plant-based, not going to absorb as well, going to be tough there, right? If you're not eating a lot of fatty fish, if you're not eating a lot of nuts, spinach, beans, 
I mean, those are just key areas that if you're eating those consistently, you may be all right. But if you're not eating them at all, I mean, you just said again, 95%. I mean, in a lot of cases, it almost seems like, you know, we preach, preach food pro first approach, but it almost seems like we're at a point now, like if you don't supplement, because most people aren't probably going to get them through their food or our nutrition value in our food now isn't as um, high quality or as dense as it used to be, that this may be something, I don't know, you could tell me that we have to progress to supplementing more than we ever had before. Yeah. And that's a great point. Food versus supplements, omega-3 and why the deficiency? Well, I think part of it is there's, there's only marine sources from fish that you can actually raise your levels. If you're the two biggest are the two biggest deficient groups in the world are vegans and the military. So the military, the food supply is probably not high and rich in omega-3 and they're not eating that four days a week. That's one reason. Vegans, because the only source that can raise their levels in the blood is algae. So, you know, they'd have to take an algae or algal supplement in order to raise their levels in the blood. Um, you know, there's no chia flax that won't do anything to convert to EPA and DHA. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, you'd have to eat salmon, mackerel, tuna, halibut four days a week to get your levels to 8%. And that's that's hard. I, I don't love fish that, you know, that much. The type yeah. of fish I love, like Louisiana fish, catfish, shrimp, crawfish, that has very little to no omega-3, right? So even tuna, which people assume is really high. Some forms of tuna are very, very high in omega-3, but you're not eating that three, four days a week. So that's where me, I, I either take a couple of capsules or sometimes in the past, I used to use liquid omega-3 a pretty good bit. I would do, you know, a teaspoon to uh, two teaspoons a day to get my three to six grams, which six grams is a high dose. So, you know, but, but then we, you know, people say, well, wow, you take six grams, like it's something to be concerned about, but people consume 60,000 grams of our 60,000 milligrams of vegetable oil. And, you know, they're not concerned, which that should be a bigger concern. The amount of omega six and also saturated fat people are consuming. So I'm just consuming a small amount of omega three compared to what a lot of people consume when it comes to omega six. Or you think about it's like the Inuit or like the Eskimos that <laughs> I mean, that was their diet was like fatty fish or like that was it. So if you're going to come at me and tell me like, Oh, this is too much of a dose. Well, they ate that every day and they're probably some of the healthiest people. So, and, and, you know, in retrospect, you know, whatever you said, I think, I think me taking a little bit more, isn't going to be that big of a deal. It's going to only benefit me at the end of the day. Yeah. Um. So from, you know, I know you're partnering with the Taylor Hooten foundation kind of what is, what is their mission from that perspective too? I know you guys go out to organizations, high schools, colleges, and, and, basically spread the word on nutrition education, um, specifically regarding supplementation. Yeah, no, it's a great organization. So Taylor Hoot was a young man, 15, 16 years ago, committed suicide after using anabolic steroids. So, um, you know, Donald Jr., Donald Hooten Jr., Taylor's older brother, you know, now is the president of that organization. His dad started that foundation. They partnered with Major League Baseball because baseball had a steroid problem at the time. And they said, look, how do we get your company off the ground and, and deliver this message? So, you know, Donald and Brian now, I'm, I just record podcasts uh, once a month and do a few things virtually every once in a while with them. But they're still actively and incredibly busy on the road into schools talking about the dangers and risk of using performance enhancing drugs, obviously high risk supplements, certain pre-workouts, diet pills, um, you know, some of the supplements that can be adulterated with amphetamine compounds. You know, I was talking to the folks at Informed Sport while, you know, we were at CPSDA last week and some of the things they're seeing in calcium, they're seeing steroids and just multivitamins and calcium supplements. <laughs> just things, you know, you can pull off the shelf. People send, sometimes athletes send them products that are not tested. Say, hey, can you test this? And they're like, oh, this has got X, Y, and Z in it. You probably don't want to take this because it's going to cause 
you know, a ban or a, they're going to lose their eligibility if they're a college student. So you have to be cautious. And so they do a phenomenal job of going to the schools and just making them more aware about this. To, if I was a kid at one point you know, at 18, when I uh, left high school and went to LSU, I was like, can I walk on and play football? And I'm like, I had a buddy using steroids and I was thinking maybe I should do that. And I'm glad I didn't. I mean, I've, I've, I've known some friends that have used and I've, I've seen firsthand the side effects and the anger and the aggression and obviously performance. I mean, the performance is insane, but you know, they, they really had a lot of problems, you know, growing up when they were using those types of drugs. So they, it's a great, great organization. Yeah. From whether it's from Taylor and foreign choice NSF, you know, you mentioned there, like you're starting to see more and more stuff in supplements. Is it, does it matter whether it's a supplement that's being derived from the U S whether it's supplements being derived internationally, or just doesn't matter at all. It's just across the board, anywhere in the country, wherever we're getting our ingredients from depending on the facility or the company, it's just fruit. It's happening everywhere. Yeah. It's, it's happening everywhere. I don't know much about the international testing component in regards to how bad it is in certain places. A lot of the raw material, especially steroid powders come from China. So that's, that's a big problem. And a lot of international stuff gets shipped here. It can happen with manufacturers in the state. So with dietary supplements, you have raw material suppliers, you have the manufacturing facility, they buy the raw material from these different suppliers that specialize. It might be a creatine supplier or a company that specializes in curcumin, turmeric extract, vitamin D. And you want to make sure those raw material suppliers are tested. So there's a lot of things in talking to these testing companies in transit, you know, where it, it, it starts at the raw material supplier, but it gets mixed and matched with other things when it gets to the manufacturing facility. There's a lot of cross-contamination that can go on too. So that's why the finished product being tested and certified is important. Yeah. I mean, when they're talking to parents or athletes all the time, like you need to at least take something NSF or Infirm Choice. Like, and I know nothing's going to be a hundred percent perfect, but you don't want to go into GNC or vitamin shop and just take some random thing because this guy recommends you to take, like I had, I literally had this conversation with an athlete last week. He's like, Hey, what are the, what are the three or four things that we were taking, you know, while I was at the facility, I gave it to him and I was like, Hey, well, here's some good options. What does he do? Goes to GNC and just grabs GNC stuff. And I'm like, told you like here's the app here's my recommendations like why didn't you just order it off here well i wanted it right now i'm like but that's not the point right no we we've, we've had athletes when, when i was a two ring we had an athlete walk into a supplement store they sold them two two kids of a mass gainer they tested positive for steroids and you know they had to uh, i don't remember the outcome i was a consultant at the time so i wasn't there full time but they were um i think they got suspended from the team for the year and then had to be reinstated so some schools they, 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 you know, they ban your scholarship and you're done. Yeah. And I, I've told that to a couple of athletes as well. Like, do you really want to risk that? Like, you're going to think it's not you. You think it's never going to happen to you because you're young and like, I'm taking this and I have other people taking it and like, no one's had a problem, but it also could depend on, you could take the same supplement for X amount of years, never have an issue. And then all of a sudden you do take that one batch of that one dose that was tainted or mixed or whatever it may be. And then all of a sudden now you're in a whole different situation. You lost your scholarship. You're not playing at this school. And then, you know, with NIL deals now and, and money being involved and the business being involved, well, now you're losing money. So yeah. once you put that big picture in front of them, it becomes, oh, I don't, I don't want to lose all of that. Okay, well, then we probably need to make a better decision. Right, absolutely. Um, to kind of finish this off here, um, being that you've been in the field for, you know, 20 plus years, what are maybe your top couple pieces of advice for practitioners coming up through nutrition in the field um, that maybe you wanted to know? Um, at the beginning? 
Well, I think the one thing that I wish I would have had was a business background. I think that's the one thing I was missing is business and computers. I was not very savvy with both of that. Um, and then got thrown into a job when I was in the fitness industry to manage departments, which I was like, wow, I guess I'm just going to figure this out and, and ask my you know, bosses at the time, how do, you know, how do you do those things? So I think it's important for those getting to this field, have some flexibility, do multiple things, wear multiple hats. Um, don't just you know, settle for one thing in one job. I think it's great to do that and have stability, but it's also good to have other options in the event that, you know, look at COVID. For, for many people, COVID kind of wiped out a lot of work for some people. So having other things to do working virtually was was very good for those uh, of individuals that had that opportunity. So, um, but pursue what you love and, and specialize in that. I think that was important is, yeah, I'm a sports dietitian, but I, I don't specialize in eating disorders and I don't, certain things I don't specialize in. I prefer to work with athletes that want to gain weight and build muscle. That's where I really want to focus my attention. And I hope I'm not doing this 10, you know, 15 years from now, still working at 60s. Um, but I think having multiple hats is important, um, having multiple options, but do what you really are passionate about. So if you just want to work with a figure skater or someone in equestrian or football, then do that and, and then pursue that and keep getting experience with people that have that expertise that can help you grow your career. And as long as you keep pursuing that, you're going to, you know, you're going to have a lot of success. Yeah. My big thing, don't be a one trick pony. The more, the more, you know, about multiple parts or like me having a strength and conditioning background, like I can go talk to strength and conditioning coaches and I can understand and, and have that kind of chalk talk and understanding with them. Um, and now being in a setting where it's more of a business setting, just every place you go to, you know, find somebody that can mentor you and learn and ask lots of questions. And what's, what's a couple pieces you can take that's going to end up developing and creating your philosophy over time. That's going to put you in the best space that you want to get yourself to. That's kind of the goal. Absolutely. But Tavis really appreciate taking some time out of your day to come on. Um, where can people contact you if they want to chat, have a conversation like this offline? Yeah. I mean, if they just want to shoot me an email, um, my personal email is, is best. It's it's my first initial and last name. So T as in Tavis, but it's just the letter T in my last name, Piatoli, P-I-A-T-T-O-L-Y at mysportsd.com. So tpiatoli at mysportsd.com or tpiatoli at gmail.com. Either one of those is fine. Reach out. Happy to answer any questions uh, about career path or whatever, whatever you want to discuss. Fantastic. We'll put that in the show notes. Um, anyone that wants to look at any of my digital links to my link tree, um, whether it's my free content, I put on all my social media platforms or roots podcasts and any other service that I provide um, that will be available on the link in the show notes for you guys to click. Um, but again, appreciate having you on Tavis. I think this will be a great episode for a lot of the, the dietitians that are coming up um, to learn about some of the nuances, especially in the high school space and on supplementation. Always my friend, anytime. Thank you so much for having me. See you.